The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. My name's Craig Schwartz, business guy most of my life, pretty new convert, believer in Jesus. Tried to do as good as I can to bring God to people through my art, my words, my actions. So I hope to share with people today. Let them feel and see what I do. I built a international business. I, you know, I've saved lives. I have a fifth grade education. I have an education in business. I wanted to be a winner, you know, because before that, everybody said, you're a loser. You're going to end up in jail. You're going to go to prison. You know, my whole life, everybody told me that. So I've always kind of had my hands in the design of something and really enjoy that process, proving to the world that you got something that could work. Yeah, it's pretty satisfying. I never really lived in a town that has got so many Christians in it as around here. I never went to a church or a synagogue in my life. I was, you know, I, I didn't think about it. It wasn't, it wasn't on my radar. And we moved here to Mercersburg. And then you go into certain businesses around here and everybody's nice and they're productive and they're not being told what to do and they're just hustling, they're bustling, they're moving around. And I go, how can they find these people? And the common denominator was Jesus. And I'm like, wow. I want some of that. You ever had a moment when you just said, that's not right, or that's not good? Like, you look at this piece of metal, and you're like, that's not good. It's not what it's supposed to look like. I don't know what it was supposed to be, but it's not supposed to look like that. And then there are other moments when you're like, that's not right. That, that's not the way things were supposed to go. Um, but maybe it's not just a generic statement or a statement you're making about someone else or something else, but you're looking at your own life and you're like, I'm not right. Something's not right inside of me. Maybe some of you have had a, a, a mental health crisis and you could start to feel or think something's not right inside of my thinking, or maybe it was an emotional breakdown or some other trauma or catastrophic crisis. You knew something was wrong. Maybe you had a health crisis and you could feel inside of you, this is not good. Something is not right inside of me. But, but every one of us at some point or another have had moments when we thought, man, that, that's not right. I'm not in a good place. And so you can, at the very least, you can relate to this battered up, busted up piece of metal. And so what gets us to this point? Because what I would want to suggest right on the front end is that every one of us can relate to a banged up, marred up, disfigured, damaged piece of metal. Right? I don't know. I hope this doesn't rock the video that we're, we're capturing. But like, you know, at some point, something comes along and bam. Bam, somebody did us wrong. Somebody hurt us. Somebody offended us. Somebody, that wasn't good enough. Somebody betrayed us. Somebody lied to us. Somebody battered and bashed and damaged and disfigured who we are. But the worst damage and the worst disfiguring now I can't figure out how to get this thing standing here, is, is not what anyone's ever done to us. The reality is that we are marred and mangled 
from the inside out. Come on, let's be honest. It's not just what others have done to you. And it's definitely not the circumstances of your life that have done the most damage. It's the, it's the hammer hitting on the inside. It's the regret, the shame, the guilt. It's the decisions you and I make that then we regret. Yeah, sure, we're banged up. Sure, we're bruised. Sure, we're mangled because of what others have done. But the worst mangling and the worst marring is the hammering that hits from the inside out. And what do we do about that? Because the reality is when you look at a piece of metal like this, you might think, I, I don't even know what that was supposed to be. When you look at your own life, maybe some of you got so mangled that you can't remember a time when you, you were what you thought you should be. But I know this, none of us have ever become what we could have been. Because the marring and the mangling broke us and damaged us and disfigured us so that we're not what we once were and will never become what we could have been. And that sounds like a really dark way to start this message off. But here, here's the thing, unless we're honest about our current state, we can't dream about another shape. And the key to this, imagine yourself this piece of metal. Does the metal itself have the capacity to reshape itself? Does the, does the metal itself have the ability to work out its disfigurement? its own damage? And the obvious answer is absolutely not. And so what is the key? Well, that's where I wanna jump in with the story here. I wanna to bring you to a letter written by a guy who had his own internal damage, a lot of damage. He was very aware of, his, of the disfigurements inside of him, deep in places that you cannot diagnose, in your soul places, in your heart. Well, this guy had a radical life change because he encountered God. And he wrote a letter to the churches or to the church in Rome. And I want to read that to you. In this series, the artists were, were looking at this letter. In the Bible, it's simply called Romans, but it's really the letter of the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. And he writes this in Romans chapter 3. And I'm going to read a good bit of it to you because he's basically talking about this whole idea that we have wrecked ourselves and destroyed ourselves and we've, we've bashed ourselves into a point that is beyond repair, certainly beyond our own capacity to repair ourselves. He, he writes it this way. He's quoting and he says, as it is written, there's no one righteous, meaning no one does what is right. No, not even one. There is no one who even understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. No, not even one. And then he goes a step further and he goes, not only that, but what comes out of them is terrible. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. 
And the way of peace, they do not know. He goes, now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced, the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. And what the Apostle Paul is writing about on the, on the early chapters of his letter to the church in Rome, in, in Rome is this. <laughs> he goes, I've got bad news for good people. He goes, there's bad news for people who think they're good. If you think you've got it all together, I got bad news for you. If you think you're living a good life, I got bad news for you. If you think that you're doing more good than bad, I've got bad news for you. And the bad news is that every one of us, our lives are disfigured beyond our ability and capacity to repair it. And it's not that others damaged it. It's not that others picked up the hammer. It's not the circumstances of life. It's not your parents. It's not that person that hurt you or abused you or betrayed you. It's that you and I, we did it to ourselves. He says, no one does what is right. No one even takes the time to understand. No one seeks God. So why is he writing such a dark letter? He's, he's really getting to this point. So if you jump just a little bit ahead in the, in the, next, uh, in the next verse, he, he says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In essence, what he's getting at is this. God expects a perfect piece of art. He expects perfection. And so in your life, you might think, well, you might look around and think, I'm not as banged up and messed up as them. Well, it doesn't matter. The standard is not, do you have less damage in your life than others have? It's perfection. Or you may be tempted to cover up what's going on in your life and say, well, if no, as long as no one can see it, then I'm off the hook. But yet God sees everything. Maybe you pretend like you have it all together. God sees through the pretense. And he sees that we are disfigured and marred beyond our ability to repair. And that's bad news. And if you, if you look at this passage, he uses the word all have sinned. And the word sin implies that the disfigurement, the marring, the mangling, the damage is not just skin deep. It's not just in our mind. It's not just in our emotions. It's not just in relationships that we are most mangled spiritually. That that deep place that cannot be diagnosed is our spiritual brokenness, our spiritual disfigurement that we were born already bent. We were born beaten. We were born disfigured spiritually. And because we were already born spiritually disfigured, we do what comes out of having a broken, marred, and mangled spirit. We walk away from God. We, we disregard God and do what we want. And when we do what we want, it destroys our life. It destroys the way we think. Meaning the, the disfigurement and the destruction in our spirit produces destruction everywhere else. And so it kinda, it's kind of like it creeps 
the damage damages, right? So the damage in our spirit creates damage in our thinking. It creates damage in our emotions. It creates damage in our desires, damage in our relationships, and it destroys our forever life. You and I were designed to live forever, but because we were born with a mangled not just disfigured, but a destroyed spirit. We're separated from relationship with God and on a course toward a forever without God. That's the bad news. So I got bad news for good people, people who think they're good, people who, and maybe you are a good person. Everybody thinks you do good, but the reality is somewhere deep on the inside, you and me were mangled beyond our ability to repair ourselves. At least that's what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Now, let me give you another thought about this. The reason the Apostle Paul is writing this is he, he had not been to Rome, but he imagined that Rome, which is the most important and powerful city on the planet at this time, he wanted to move the headquarters, headquarters of his mission's effort. So Paul's this incredible missionary. He's starting churches all across Asia and Europe. And he recognized that if he moved his headquarters to Rome, he would, he would be at the crossroads of civilization and be able to send out leaders and start new churches all across the, the, the civilized world. And so he wants to move his headquarters there. There's already a church there. And so what he's really trying to do is give them this deep teaching in order to start to shape the church, which is shaping people on how to live different. So he wants to get their attention. He goes, no one will accept the good news if they don't hear the bad news first. Meaning the bad news makes the good news better. And the good news, th this is it. There is now good news for bad people. The bad news for good people is that you're not good. But once you accept that you're mangled and disfigured, then there's good news. And the good news is, uh, is, is this. It's, it's the central message of everything that we're, that we're aiming for. And, and so let me read to you. Jump back just one chapter. He goes like this. As he's introducing his letter, he goes, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous or the just shall live by faith. Let, let, me, let me unpack this a little bit for you. Let me explain a little bit to you. He goes, I am not ashamed, I'm not ashamed of good news. In fact, his whole point here is, I want everyone everywhere to hear this good news because the good news of God is the power of salvation, meaning people can be rescued from their disfigurement, from their mangled way of living that, is, that has destroyed them and is destroying them. There's good news that God's power wants to rescue you from that way of life. And this message is not just for a little group of really good people. No, it's for the Jews and the Gentiles, or in this translation, for the Greeks, for people who are far from God. And he goes, because in this good news, God takes what is right about him and he puts it inside of you and makes you right. And then he goes like this. He takes it one step further and he goes, because 
anyone who is gonna be made right by God has to live by faith. Meaning it's by faith that we trust that God is making us right. The, the reason why we wanted to share this story uh, that we're offering you guys is because we, got, we have a friend who he works with metal. And you know, the thing about metal is it's not just that you paint it. It's not just that you can um, shape it. You're not carving wood. It's that it's gotta be forged. It's gotta be bent. It's gotta be heated in the fire. God wants to shape you. And that was his story. So we wanna share a little bit more of that with you now. So check this out. You know, I just said, yeah, let's go in and try this church with my wife. And we went in there and it was like, it was, it was immediate. And we both just really enjoyed it. And we enjoyed the rawness of it and the, the love. I don't know exactly the day I would say I was saved, but that was the beginning of a great journey. And early on in church, I got the sermon on the armor of God, but I got a picture of the armor of God and I hung them on the door of my office. And a few years went by before I finally, I said, you know, it's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sculpt that. And then that sculpture probably took me six, eight months, probably before I started sculpting, like other than the armor of God, you know, maybe a year went by and I hadn't done anything. I was near a cemetery over here and, you know, dad wasn't doing real well. And I was thinking about how, how we would go through life. And, uh, yeah, then you're gone. So I came home one day and I told my wife, uh, I, I want to be an artist because I want to leave something on this earth. And then COVID hit and a friend of mine, Jeremy, uh, he worked in a restaurant. So I said, well, why don't you come and help me? And he says, okay, what are we doing? I said, we're going to sculpt. When I'm out here sculpting and listening to music and praying, I just feel closest to God. I was touched and when people would come and say, wow, that's really awesome. I'd like some of that for my yard and I'll pay you for it. The Lord told me just donate the money to Monarch's Way. It's a school right here in Greencastle for girls that need a little help. They come from such, such a broken state and you see them after a few months being baptized. Wow. You know, the connection to God there is more powerful than any place me. So I walked in the office and I said, we're donating everything to Monarch's Way. I really felt that I could use my art to, to change people and that's a complete mission to bring people closer to God, to interest in them in that story. My relationship with God means everything, not just as an artist. We're all his little works of art. You know, everything is. And we're all made exactly like he wanted, wanted to. I kept telling my wife, I hope that, that, uh, that intimacy never leaves. You know, I want to be emotional about it. I want that. It's like that moment that I was hoping would never go away. I got what I prayed for. Only when we acknowledge that we are incapable of reshaping ourselves will we yield to God. Only when we acknowledge the bad news that there is nothing we can do in our disfigured state to reshape ourselves to the, back to the way we were before, which wasn't great, right? You can't really think of a time that you wanna go back to that was perfect. So it was never good enough. 
nor do we have the ability to shape ourselves or fix ourselves so that we'll be the way we were supposed to be. But when you accept the bad news that there's nothing I can do to rescue myself, save myself, fix myself, then and only then do we yield to the good news of God's love. That God doesn't see us as a broken, discarded, scrap metal piece, but he sees us as a work of art that he rescues and he redeems. This is why we love our friend's story is that he works with metal and really the metal work is rescuing and redeeming. It's shaping something ordinary into something extraordinary. This is, this is what the apostle Paul wrote in uh, Romans chapter three, starting in verse 23 and 24. He says this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because he this, right? And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Because he this, in essence, no one can do this on their own. Everyone messes up, but God, because of his grace, justified us, made us just through the, redeem the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. Meaning, you know, when you redeem something, you're taking it back and giving it value that it had lost. The good news makes you just right. Now, I chose those words carefully because I don't want you to think that I'm minimizing the fact that you were made right. The good news of God's love makes you just right. You're just and right through good news. The key to this good news is not religion. I wanna be really clear with you. This is vital. Because some of you think that I'm up here trying to present the Christian religion. Look, the offer you're being given when you recognize the bad news is not a choice between one religion and another religion. If Christianity is nothing more than a religion, then you're right. You may as well just wrestle through and see which religion works for you. But you could put all religion and all religious ideas into one category. There's, there are, there's only two choices, religion or relationships. Let me say it differently. Your best effort and God's effort. It's the difference between you trying harder and you accepting what God has already done. It's the difference between the gospel of Jesus and the religion of your own efforts. Your works versus God's work. That's the only difference. That's the only choice you have. Every religion on the planet fits into the category of your effort. You have to do something, earn something, become something, learn something, become enlightened, arrive at. It's always your effort trying to reach toward or attain some, something divine. And that's your only option unless it's God's work. And so within Christianity, it's not a religion. It is a choice to accept the hand of the artist who is reaching into your life and he begins to shape you. Now, how does he do that? He says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, 
but we are justified freely through great, by his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. So what did Jesus do? Jesus came from heaven to earth. God, the artist, came down from heaven to earth, and he said, I will take on your mangled mess. I will redeem it. But Jesus, he, he doesn't just buy us. He takes on our wounds. He takes on the hammering. And so Jesus is beaten for what beat us. He is broken for what broke us. He is bruised and battered and put to death. Our death penalty placed on Jesus because sin must be paid for in eternal judgment. So Jesus took on our eternal judgment, absorbed all of our blows and our death penalty and died in our place so that judgment, which is just, let me make that clear. The judgment you and I deserve in eternity is just. It is right. We do deserve that. So Jesus took on what we deserve to redeem us, to rescue us. He purchased us. So anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven and justified. What I mean by justified is you are made right. You are reshaped in the eyes of God. You might not feel it. You might not see it. But when God sees you, he sees you as completely right the moment you believe in Jesus by faith. And the word salvation, when we look at this, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. He said the idea of him coming and said we could receive salvation this idea of salvation is more than just being saved from sin. It is, it is all of the marring and the mangling and the disfigurement being removed and us being made completely whole. Not back to what we once were, but to what we could have been. Made whole to what God intended us to be. A work of art. And that only happens through faith in Jesus Christ. Can I, can I encourage you? Wherever you are right now, this is not a choice of religion. This is a choice of I am willing to receive by faith a new life through Jesus Christ because he died on the cross, forgive me of my sins, and he is the one that made me right. I look at my life and say, that's not right. It's not the way it should have been. But he makes me right. Can I encourage you, if that's where you're at right now, and you're ready to say yes to Jesus by faith, you're not saying yes to a religion. You are saying yes to the good news, the good news for bad people. And if that's where you're at, this is a prayer. It's saying, God, I believe in you. I am accepting this good news. And when you say that, you're saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for anyone and everyone that believes. And if that's you right now, can I encourage you to say yes to Jesus by faith, if you're making that commitment, would you scan the QR code? Would you let us know? When you scan the QR code, please fill out that form so that one of our pastors can follow up with you. We wanna encourage you. We wanna, we wanna um, partner with you as you begin this new journey in relationship with God. So scan that QR code, fill out that form, let us know. Now, I wanna, I wanna give you an encouragement on a next step because here's the thing. When you think about um, being disfigured and, and I don't put on my gloves because I want to show you this idea like this isn't just your effort 
to try to reshape yourself. Here's what a lot of us do. We believe in Jesus by faith, and then we think that somehow we've got to pray harder, and we've got to try to bend ourselves back through our own efforts. And you know as well as I do, we're never going to get it right. But what God intends to do is take the disfigured, misshaped portions of our life. And the master artist is not trying to just untangle what is mangled. He wants to put into you his righteousness. And so the word specifically that the apostle Paul uses is we are justified. And what that specifically means is that he imparts to us his justice, his righteousness. You are made right before God. When God looks at you, everything you've done wrong is forgiven. So that's the gospel, right? I've been forgiven, but he doesn't just forgive. He justifies. You are made fully right in the eyes of God. You are being shaped by the artist, God himself. And when God sees you, he sees righteousness. He sees righteousness. He sees righteousness. You are made right. You are made just the way God wants you to be. And and you are being made right. You are made right and you are being made right. Meaning God, immediately when you believe in Jesus by faith, he says, you're righteous. And the righteousness of Jesus is placed into the, into the account of your life. But then he begins by his Holy Spirit to shape you and work on you and begin to transform you. And so as you begin to participate with Jesus in this relationship, He is shaping in you his righteousness. The longer you believe in Jesus, the less you look like this, the more in your life you look like this. Now, you are already fully made right spiritually. In the eyes of God, you are right, but you are also becoming right. He is shaping you. Are you yielded to the hammer of the artist, right? Metal is different because metal has to be put in the forge. It's gotta be heated and it's gotta be pounded. Some of you are resisting the fire and some of you are resisting the hammer. Some of you are pushing away from the anvil that God is using to shape you in justice. He's justifying, he's making you become more right in your words, in your thoughts, in your attitude. He's he's shaping you to become more righteous in the way you treat other people, in the way you treat your employees, in the way you treat your employer. He's making you become more right in the way you drive or you treat other people in your neighborhood. How is God trying to shape you on his anvil and through the forge of his fire? How is he trying to hammer into your life right living? Now, don't stop there. There's one more piece. He goes like this. So go back to Romans chapter one, verse 17. He says, for in in the righteousness of God, for the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, for as it is written, the just shall live by faith. 
And then if you jump over to Romans chapter three, verse 24, he says this, for all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Here, there's something really important. It's not just that you are made just right. When you are made just and right, you begin to do what is just and right. In God's justice, he shapes you. In God's justice, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, his righteousness is given to you. He sees you as right and just. And then, and then God will spend the rest of your life on earth shaping you and making you become more right in your life and in your attitude and your behavior. What always happens is as God works righteousness in me and you, as he makes us more just, what comes out of us is we do what's right and we become more just, meaning we, we begin to, what motivates us is justice. I don't mean, let's be careful here. What I do not mean is you getting justice. You demanding justice. This is not about revenge. This is not about repayment. This is not you about you getting a pound of flesh. This is not about you getting what you want from others. But this is actually about how God works. He makes you right to do right. And he puts justice in you so that he can work justice through you. This is about God's justice shaping you and then flowing through you. Because whatever's in you will come out of you, right? What fills, spills. And so what God wants is to spill out of you justice, justice from God. The justice that comes from God means that I need to ask, how does God want to work through me his justice in the world? Is that too big? Let's make it more personal. How does God want to work justice through me to those in my immediate community, those that I love, those in my neighborhood? How does God want to bring justice into other people's lives through my life? How can I be a defender of the weak? For those that are suffering injustice, how can I be somebody who leverages the justice I've been given by God to stand up for them? How can I, how, you know, so the idea of just injustice is that the, the weak are taken advantage of by the strong. The powerful abuse their power to hurt those who are powerless, right? So now let's flip it. And if I'm a person motivated, I am becoming just. That means I'm leveraging any strength I have to help those that are weaker than me. That means that whatever power I've been given, by the way, you have the greatest power because your power comes from the Holy Spirit. How can God work his power in me so that I'm working, the power of God in me is helping those that are powerless. How can I defend the weak? How can I stand up for, the, for those that are the orphans and the widows in their time of need, right? How does God want to work justice in you so he can work justice through you? How are you being shaped by the anvil, the hammer, the forge of the artist? So you are not just becoming what God imagines you to be and what God says you are but that God is shaping you into a warrior of justice so that you become a defender of the weak, empowered to help the powerless. So what I wanna do is this.
I'm asking that you would allow God to shape your heart. And so what I did was I, I wrote out a prayer that I'm gonna invite you to pray with me. Something I do with my, my own children. I've, I've done this since our girls were little and now I do this with the boys. Uh, when they're learning how to pray, I just, I pray with them and I lead them in a prayer. And I thought, how many of you, maybe you're uncomfortable praying. You don't even know how to pray. So would you all pray out loud with me? The, the prayer is gonna be on the screen. I want you to pray out loud. I'm gonna do it in phrases so you can say it easily. And I just want, I'm gonna say the phrase and then you're gonna say the phrase. And we're gonna make this our prayer. God, work justice in me. Work justice through me. Would you join me as we pray? This is our prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we admit that we, we've been broken and damaged beyond our ability to repair ourselves. And we live in a world that is damaged beyond its ability to repair itself. We need your salvation and for you to make us right so we can do what's right. We need you to make us just. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us for how we've done what is wrong and failed to do what is right. Forgive us for how we have failed as a church and a community to do what is right and work toward justice. Now, thank you for forgiving us and making us right and just. Would you help us to do what is right and just? Help us in our personal relationships to do right and work toward justice. And as a church, we grieve over the injustices around us. May your justice in us be the answer to the injustices around us. Shape us by your righteousness so that we become right and do right. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.